Hey everyone, this episode of the Cloudcast is sponsored by PagerDuty. PagerDuty is the hub of your IT operations and ensures that the right folks are alerted at the right time to increase your uptime. PagerDuty's analytics help you identify common problems, allowing you to make system improvements before they impact your customers. Advanced filters and deduplication ensure that only actionable alerts get delivered. No more false alarms at 2 a.m. And now, multiple team members can seamlessly share on-call duty. To sign up for a free 14-day trial, visit pagerduty.com slash thecloudcast. And now, on to the show. Cloudcast Media presents, from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is The Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to Yet another Cloudcast coming to you live from our massive studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Aaron, good to have you back on the show after a couple, uh, couple of travel visits. Yeah, absolutely. It is it is cold and rainy here in the massive studios tonight. I, know, I, know, but, uh, I don't know what happened. It is nasty outside. No, it got it was nice, and then now we've we've got winter, which kind of sucks, but uh, but we've got it. So, anyways, tonight we're gonna we're gonna kind of dig into a topic that we sort of foreshadowed a few months ago uh, with tonight's guest. So. Uh, very cool to bring back uh, Mitchell Hashimoto, um, founder of HashiCorp. Uh, a lot of you guys know him from the previous show, but most of you know him from he created Vagrant and Packer and Surf and Console and a lot of really, really cool stuff. So, Mitchell, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me again. Uh, feels like yesterday, so I'm excited. I know. you. Um, the last time you were here, we, we were sort of talking about all the things you'd built, and you said, you know hold on a second, we're doing some cool stuff. And then you'd send a tweet out a few weeks or whatever ago, and you said, hey, there's a reason I haven't been committing a lot of stuff publicly, and I haven't been tweeting very much, I'm kind of busy, just hang tight. So what's what's going on? You've got some cool stuff coming out and some big news going on. Yeah, we've been... Uh... We've been working pretty hard over here. We we grew the team, you know, at a at a company level. There's seven of us now total, and uh, we've been kind of growing our community, our open source community. So that's been growing at kind of all angles. Um, but at the same time, we're getting excited to uh, ramp up and uh, launch our first commercial product, and that's actually what I've been alluding to on Twitter. Um, so I think you know some of the open source people will be a little bit disappointed if they if they wanted another fully open source project but don't worry you know there's more coming uh, but we're taking a brief detour here so that we could continue to afford to build those open source products um, and launching our first commercial product very cool so give us the you know last time we talked I think it was I think you guys were three folks and you said look we're, you know we're making money we're doing okay um, you know what what led you to sort of kind of go down the path of um, you know, you took a round of funding. Um, you guys are, are releasing a commercial product. Like, what what kind of flipped in your mind to sort of diversify what HashiCorp was working on? Uh, so I don't think we flipped. I think we just uh, it, it it came maybe sooner than I expected. Um, but we're I still very much feel like we're on the plan we set out to do. Um, I think that we I was happy that we had built a, a revenue source, which was the Vagrant VMware. Uh, add-on, which isn't our main business model. Really, it was just a way to support us without taking funding. And um, I was really happy with that. And there was three of us, and we were um, you know, squeaking profit by, so we weren't really worrying about money so much. And we were just kind of working on stuff uh, as, as we saw fit towards this plan. And um, what really kind of ramped things up was we 
uh, started working on this commercial product. It was always kind of planned, and uh, we realized we were getting a lot of interest from our bigger users, and uh, these are people definitely in the top 200 websites, uh, kind of big big websites, and they were they were interested, and they were we were showing them demos, and they were using it, and we just realized at some point that hey, if, when we launch this thing, there's no way we're going to be able to s- support this, sell it, um, uh, as well as all while doing that, uh, continue to engineer it, of course, but all while doing that, continue to give our open source the attention it needs in order to uh, keep that community strong and really is really the foundation of HashiCorp. So um, we, you know, given the state of the industry, especially, you know, thanks to people like Docker and CoreOS, um, and Mesos uh, today, uh, but thanks to you know people like that setting the industry like state of the industry for us, uh, we went out and raised funding, and uh, it wasn't too difficult. We got we got VCs we're really happy with. Um, I've known them a long time, so they're not uh, random people, and uh, it's been pretty great actually. Very cool. Very very cool. So so Mitchell. What what are the kind of big focus areas going forward? I mean, obviously, you have this new product called Atlas. And, and first of all, tell us a little bit about it and how it kind of fits into some of the existing uh, projects that you already have released. And, and yep. yeah, I mean, because you, you have a number of them, you know, it's you almost have a project per employee at this point, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so Atlas is... It should come as no surprise uh, I, to, to people, um, but it's really, in some regards, um, the unification of all our open source tools into one commercial solution. So one thing we always say at HashiCorp is that we are open source, are the foundation of what we're building, and that foundation, though, is, is comprised of these multiple components, and those components are really... They, they stand on their own. They're really useful. But to get them to work with each other, to get them to work with other systems, you really got to pull them off the shelf and do some integration yourself. You got you to gotta write some code. You got to do some automation and so on. And, and in addition to that, a lot of people saw our five open source projects, um, five at the time of this recording at least, our five open source projects, and, and kind of think I've gotten some tweets where people have asked, you know, hey, are you guys just throwing darts at, the, at a wall? Like, are you are you just throwing darts and hoping something sticks? Are you waiting to have like some breakaway success, like Docker or something? Like, what are you guys doing? Um, VCs kind of ask this question too, but really, there is always uh, a a pretty high level plan behind the whole thing. We've been going forward with a with a plan, and the plan is was really to simplify getting from development to production and make make deployment and make managing infrastructure and that sort of thing a a not thing of the past so much as not you don't need to dedicate that much thought to it. It's a thing that's there, but it's easy. You handle it, you deploy, you monitor. It's easy. Um, and ops just isn't like that right now, and it hasn't been like that um, in, at least the whole time I've been doing it. And that was our goal to to achieve that dream. Um, and so we've been building kind of the core components to that end. But Atlas is finally the kind of commercial solution that integrates all our open source products into a single. Uh, goal, which was to make to make uh, data center management, application delivery easy, um, and we present it in one system. So the reason it's commercial is kind of the 
we give you all the tools where you could build this yourself. The, the core of Atlas, all the, the hardest parts of Atlas are our open source tools. When it creates infrastructure, it's executing Terraform. When it's monitoring, it's using console. When it's uh, spinning up development environments, it's actually executing Vagrant. You know, the, the whole thing is executing our open source, but um, it's commercial because we package it up for you. Um, and, and so that's kind of the way we view things. And, and in doing so, I'm really happy because we were able to avoid uh, kind of like sticky issues around open core and kind of awkwardness with the community. We were able to make, keep the open source completely open, completely liberally licensed, um, and then Atlas just consumes that, just like any anyone else would. Yeah, very cool. So it's it's I, you know, and, and and Aaron and I have talked about this a lot. I mean, there's we're seeing this more and more. We're, you know, we've seen it, you know, even down at the hardware layer where you're seeing people do converged infrastructure, and you kind of go, oh, you could you could package all that together if you wanted to. But but if there's folks who will you know take a bunch of steps out of that for you and make sure that it kind of works, like that's cool. And then you're looking at the pace that all these new open source projects are coming out, whether it's, you know, the ones that you guys have created or like you said, Docker and CoreOS and, you know, Mesosphere and all these, like for anybody who wants to consume that stuff, there's a lot of effort to, to keeping up with it. And, you know, I, I have to imagine, like you said, like, you know, you, you, when you came on the last time you said, look, we started off building tools because we needed them for our own regular day jobs. And then we decided to turn into a business. Yep. You know, I, I have to imagine as you know, as you were working with people, as you were working with customers, they were going like, "We love the tools, but if they were, like you said, sort of a level easier, then they become really valuable, right? Then, then you can sort of Definitely. measure the value in terms of time, and time becomes money, and all that sort of stuff." Definitely, yeah. I think you know, I think some people. One thing I don't know if I mentioned this. I have mentioned it before. I don't know if I mentioned it here before. Um, but one thing that got harder as we started pursuing this as our full time jobs was that. We no longer were consuming as much as our tools on our own, so we weren't finding as many of the pain points anymore. Um, and so, to compensate for that, we have a group of users that we call our partner users, and and they're folks that we talk to uh, really regularly. I would say maybe once a week or so. Um, they they're quite a bit larger um, users. Um, they're not getting any special treatment per se. Um, they're mostly it's a trade where we're giving them kind of like uh, integration consulting advice for free, but in return, they're looking at our roadmap and giving us feedback on what they need and what they don't need and, and modifications we made. And uh, one thing a lot of people don't know is Console and Terraform actually were developed uh, in partnership with a lot of companies. So uh, there was a lot of help going on there, and it's the same thing with Atlas. Cool. Awesome. So, so let me ask you this then. So when it comes to Atlas, I mean, it does exactly seem like a framework and, and the ability to kind of do workflows, but, but tell us a little bit more in depth about it in what I've been reading. It's, it's definitely, it seems like there's kind of three core steps or three core pieces. Um, there's, there's the development environment, which, I mean, is basically all the usual folks that are out there, right? Um, your VirtualBox, your VMware, your AWS, your Docker. Um, yep. I imagine you'll have to go do Rocket now and some of these others now, right? <laughs> and then yeah, that's uh, that's status quo. I mean, that's all of Vagrant's history. That's what we've been doing is integrations. So right, and then so so you know, like there, there's the Vagrant piece, if you will, right? And then there's this process where. You you have to basically turn that in. You know how do you get it out there, right? So now yep. you've you've got a widget. Now you have to get the widget out there, yep. um, and then and then is that like you're taking the widget and that that deployment process? Is that something that that 
this Atlas is actually doing for you, or is that depending on another project? Tell us a little bit about that workflow. Yeah, definitely. So um, we actually break down uh, application delivery into five steps, um, five kind of distinct, clearly separated steps that Atlas encompasses. Um, That is the dev step, the build step, um, a step we call the artifact registry, um, the deploy step, and then the maintain or monitoring step. Um, and across these five, so the way it works is the dev step, we're actually running Vagrant for you. Um, well, you run Vagrant, um, and we manage where the boxes are and things like that, but you run Vagrant as normal, totally normal. Um, we're introducing a new command into Vagrant, uh, or, or we have um, introduced a new command into Vagrant called Vagrant Push, um, and just like it's always Vagrant up to start working, it's always Vagrant share to collaborate and share what you're working on. We're introducing Vagrant push, which is always the one command to deploy. And just like Vagrant, this is totally customizable. It doesn't have to go to our commercial software at all. Um, you could configure Vagrant push to just go to Heroku or just go um, uh, upload files via FTP or whatever you want. So, but of, of course, out of the box, it also works with our commercial product. And you Vagrant push, it sends... Something you configure um, by default just sends your source code, but you could configure it to send a compiled thing or anything. Um, sends that to Atlas. It enters the build step. Our build step is powered by Packer. Um, this is responsible for turning your code into something that's deployable. So that could be a Docker container, that could be an AMI, that could be a jar. It could kind of be anything. So Packer's powering that step. After it builds uh, just some sort of artifact, it sends it to our artifact registry. This is the only piece of Atlas that isn't uh, grounded with open source. So the, the registry is a closed source component of Atlas. It's, it's really not that exciting in terms of uh, not being open source. That's, that's really why, because it's not very exciting. Um, but it stores the artifacts. It, it versions them. It, hold, it gates them by environments like staging, production, that sort of thing. Um, then you enter the deployment step. This is powered by Terraform. Um, this is able to query the artifact registry and ask it things like, give me the latest version of this application for the East Coast AWS region that should be deployed to production. Um, the artifact registry gives it that. Terraform does the potentially complicated deploy. So it does, maybe it's just putting running a Docker container, or maybe it's more complicated where you're doing a rolling deploy or canary build or something like that. Terraform is responsible for that. Then once that is launched, uh, console picks it up. Console is responsible for the real the, the real-time sort of what servers are running, what services are running, are they healthy, are they up, um, are they, how are they configured, that sort of thing. Um, and all of this that I just described is visible um, in one UI via Atlas. Um, but the information you see is a little different depending on who you are. So if you're a developer, you can see what applications you're working on, what you've deployed, where the deploy is. If you're an operator, you see... Uh, deploys queued, what infrastructure is being changed, how to change infrastructure, and so on. So it's kind of catered to each group. And um, you mentioned kind of the difficulty of getting from vagrant or development environment and getting into production. I think that's something we see a lot, like not just not just um, in our tooling, but there's a lot of cloud IDs out there. Um, and, and I've been watching the cloud IDs struggle because they gather a decent user base for development and of course, the developers, what they want to do, and we've been getting asked about this for Vagrant for years, like years, years, and I've just never, there's never been an easy way for me to just do it for people, which is how do I have this Vagrant environment, or I have this cloud development environment, um, and I want to deploy it. I just want to make it a real server now. Um, and what I see most often are these cloud services just doing something simple. Uh, let's just 
let's just defer to Docker, or let's just Docker run, or let's just put it on a single server. And the problem is the real world is a lot more complicated. It's what you're running in development might be a snapshot of what's really needed to run in production. So you can't just run it. There's a lot of people it has to go through. There's a lot of testing. There's a lot of there's complicated deployment processes like session draining and things like that. And it's really hard to encompass that in a development tool. So um, this is one of the real motivators that uh, kind of got us to build all these other tools like Packer and Terraform and so on because um, maybe it's not possible to turn your simple Vagrant file into something that a production server is because it's just a lot more complicated. But it is possible to take what you're working on in Vagrant um, and handhold that code or that artifact information all the way through and give people a single process to kind of get to production. And that's really what we're trying to do. Gotcha. So you're, you know, you're obviously sort of learning that, you know, as you go from, um, you know, driving a community, driving tools, uh, you know, running a business, but kind of, you know, not like you said, kind of, uh, competing necessarily to, you know, you guys are now going to become commercial entity. Like, how do you, how do you explain to people when you, you know, you now have, uh, you know, Docker doing a bunch of stuff that on one hand sounds like, oh, it, it's helping with development and deployment and it's got a registry and you've got, you know, CoreOS doing some stuff and you've got like, you know, you guys have always talked about your, in some cases you do some things better and in other cases you augment existing tools. Like how do you explain kind of Atlas and this, the new kind of, you know, box discovery and some of this other stuff to people that are trying to figure out where it fits in the bigger hierarchy of all these cool new tools that are out there? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think a key differentiator, kind of a cultural differentiator of how we design stuff and why we think it's necessary is um, what we do as a design principle really is focus on workflows rather than technologies. And um, the the focus here is really, you know, the idea that software and hardware really just continue to evolve and improve. And so we saw the, the evolution of physical to virtual, virtual to containers now, um, we're seeing the evolution where scheduling is coming a lot easier with Mesos and things like that. So that all changes underneath, but the high-level workflow isn't changing. The, the idea of getting from development to production, having a test step, having uh, a deploy step, having a registry of what can be deployed, that has existed for forever. Um, and so we try to more design at a kind of fundamentally technology-agnostic view so basically use the best technologies currently available or, or to solve the problem or the technologies most uh, people are interested in currently to solve the problem. But as those techn- technologies evolve and better tooling emerges, um, we just update that workflow to leverage those new technologies. Um, so one thing we say is basically technologies change, the end goals stay the same. Gotcha. Gotcha. So it's not based on Docker, based on Rocket, based... I mean, you're sort of like... Yeah. I mean, you guys yeah. have always been pretty cloud agnostic to a certain extent. This is just... Technology agnostic. Yeah, yeah. A, a workflow framework almost, right? Of you, you plug yeah. in whichever pieces you want, and if they happen to be yours, great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, you know, it's a framework in that we prescribe certain steps. Like we, we prescribe the assumption that you start in dev, you move to build, you move to a registry, you move to deploy. And so there's those prescriptions. But as long as you fit in that, which is really almost anyone I've talked to, uh, you're going to have a good time. And, um, and yeah, to, to answer your question more specifically, though, I, I gave you kind of the philosophical answer, but the specifically, yes, of course, like currently we support deploying to public clouds really well, to Docker, using Docker. Um, we're talking to, to CoreOS for Rocket. 
Um, and we want to support those things. But then the, the Docker rocket thing is actually a prime example of why something like what we're building is useful. Because uh, for the past year, if you've been trying to get on the latest and greatest, it's just been Docker, Docker, Docker. You're deploying everything. And now with this rocket thing coming out, maybe it's useful, maybe it's not. You know, we don't really take sides in that regard. But but if you want to try it and you bet all your workflows and all your uh, processes around Docker, then you're kind of stuck there. And and it's a it's a lot of uh, it's a steep slope, I guess, to to introduce another workflow process into your uh, org and try something new. But if Atlas were in play already, then you would have everything running via Docker. But then you would just build a new app and, and configure that app to go via Rocket just for testing purposes, play around with it, uh, and make some informed decision based on that. Yeah, cool. Makes sense. Now, um, so are you still going to be working on the individual tools, and, and what are the, some of the things you have in mind going for those going forward? Yeah, so much. So because, like I said, all the hard parts of Atlas are the open source tools, uh, the open source tools are the primary features of Atlas. So... Um, for example, uh, Microsoft is, we're working with Microsoft OpenTech in order to do uh, an Azure integration with Terraform. And when they finish that and it's in Terraform, um, whenever we deploy the next version of Atlas, Atlas can now manage Azure. Like, we just get that feature. So um, we're focusing a lot of energy on building really cool features into the individual products. So um, Terraform's getting a lot more provider integrations like Azure. Um, Console's getting a lot of really cool uh, service discovery features, so automatic load balancing and things like that, and and yeah, it's really great because we we talked about you know do we do open core, or do we not do open core, and open core makes this weird thing where you every single feature you have to second guess yourself and say do we build this into this open source software, or do we build it into the enterprise product, and we don't have to make that decision, and it was it's a huge stress reliever for us because uh, there's some really cool features we want to build and. They're features that, if you thought about it, you're like, ah, I think people would pay for this. But then, now that we're not trying to, to go that route, we're just going to build them all in the open source. Everyone just gets it and benefits from that. Yeah. Now, what, what, what's, the, what's your philosophy? I don't know how, how far down the path you've gone. But, you know, any, anytime you, you kind of go from a little bit product-centric to, or project-centric to sort of solution-centric, you start to have this challenge of, you know, which version of something goes in, you know, if you've got Atlas 1.0, which, which versions of the, you know, what's the, yeah. what's the thinking around trying to keep it relatively up-to-date yep. but also relatively stable? That's always the trade-off, right? Yeah, that's a super good question. So, I, um, so we're going to ship with well-known good versions, um, but because it's not open core, you could use kind of any version of any of our software you want. So we're going to document minimum versions that are required. There are Minimum versions like Vagrant Push doesn't exist till Vagrant 1.7, so you kind of need that for it to work. But um, but really, we're going to let you step in and substitute out anything you want. So console's a big one. So console requires installation on a lot of your production machines. So we can't, we just like, as an adoption, it would be adoption uh, a nightmare if we said, oh, to use Atlas, you actually have to replace all the console agents with a special version or with a specific version. So... Uh, we're just going to specify minimum versions and just fight for compatibility on the way up. And we've been pretty good about that across all our individual projects, so we're hoping uh, we could continue that trend with, uh, with Atlas. Uh, in terms of the... Uh, we've been really good about public APIs and keeping them stable as the internals change. Like, for example, Vagrant could still Vagrant up uh, a Vagrant file from four years ago. So, Gotcha, gotcha. Cool. You know, Aaron, we... Uh... 
we get a lot of folks that are you know starting new businesses and we're doing more and more with with the web companies and I was I was kind of playing around I'm looking at uh, discover boxes on on Vagrant's website or at least we have we have a little bit of access to stuff before it before it's actually uh, going live here in a couple of days um, take take a guess at how many times they've had their most uh, popular image downloaded <laughs> I know, keep, even... keep in mind keep in mind a couple of years but only three people working for the company just take a swag well, let me let me set that tone a little bit. So, Vagrant Cloud, and we've been only tracking downloads since uh, April. So. Okay, so yeah, okay, so six months, seven months, Aaron, three person. Oh company. man, it couldn't even couldn't even begin no, to no, guess. Just make a guess. Uh, two hundred thousand. No, Nine hundred thousand downloads. <laughs> that's insane. That's that's yeah. very very cool, Mitchell. I mean, you you guys are got to be growing like crazy, and I, it also kind of puts in perspective like the size uh, that, that people are dealing with now when they're dealing with web scale applications and, and how, how easy it is to sort of deal with everything from test to dev to production to blowing stuff up really quickly. And that that's huge. And, and the crazy thing is like, those numbers are huge for like all of your popular ones. Not just, it's not just like one, you know, one Ubuntu image. It's like tons of them. Right. So yes, that's very, right. Cool. It's, exactly. it's cool to see. It's definitely, uh, it's been surprising, I guess the uptake, but I think, you know the whole name of the game right now, not for us, but just for everyone, is you know move faster, deploy faster, uh, run more stable, auto scale, run cheaper. You know all those sorts of things, and and there's a huge stress in terms of automation in terms of do that. So I think all these automation companies out there are starting to really grow and 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 I guess prosper, not in the financial way yet. I think we haven't seen anyone you know really break out yet, but. Uh, prosper in terms of community adoption right now. Yeah, no, it's very, very cool. Um, so la- last question, because I know you're super busy doing all this stuff. Um, you know, before you could always get everything free. Like, what's the new way to, to engage with you guys? What's the new model? What's the best way to test drive stuff and, and all that stuff? Yeah, well, of course, you know, all the uh, all the open source projects are free and will remain free and no plans there. For Atlas itself, um, we are following, a, uh, well, I won't say this actually because it's not true, uh, but we're we have a very generous free tier, so uh, you'll be you can just sign up and get a. You could use every part of Atlas for free um, to a pretty reasonable size. Like if you're just starting a business or uh, you're just a hobbyist, we don't want to charge. Like we don't, we don't want hobbyists to have to pay for this thing. Um, our target like market is really uh, fifty plus people. Uh, fifty well, lower servers, but fifty plus people. You know, people that could pay for this thing, and so we have a pretty generous free tier. And then after that. Um, you know, it's a SaaS, uh, SaaS thing. So you just pay us, uh, put in your credit card and things happen. <laughs> Sweet. Sweet. Well, listen, uh, you know, again, thanks for coming back on. Uh, we're excited for you guys. It's, it's cool to see, you know, guests come back and grow and, and do good things. Um, Aaron, you want to sort of take us home? Yeah, absolutely. So we are out of time for this week. Um, if you like the show, Please tell a friend and leave us a review in iTunes. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at thecloudcastnet or on the web at thecloudcast.net where you can find links to everything Cloudcast. Thanks for listening, everyone.